Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here as always. LR with Benji now for one of our first topics for the off-season that we wanted to get to. Although Langkawi is still continuing, unfortunately, it will have no effect on the relegation battle, which is over. Lotto Sudal, if the UCI, as they said they will, proceeds with implementing the promotion and relegation system, Lotto Sudal and Israel Premier Tech will be relegated they will be pro Conti teams next year if they continue, and Arkea and Alperson Phoenix will be promoted to World Tour. They've both said that they've applied for a World Tour license, and so long as all the other things check out, like the money, the ethical considerations, well, I don't, don't know how strictly that one's applied, and I'm sure... I don't even know what Arkea Samsic... I know Alperson's a hair product, so they should be fine on that one. Um <laughs> Uh, they will be a world tour team next year. So as a quick uh, reminder to you all, the UCI wants 18 world tour teams. Currently there were uh, 18, I think, and there's then pro Conti teams. And in the three-year cycle, 2020 to 2022, uh, whichever teams, top 18 teams have the most UCI points get to apply for a World Tour license and get it. And if you're out of the top 18, you don't get it and you get relegated. And there's no parachute payments. There's no guarantee of entry to anything based on the three-year cycle that I just described. But if you're lucky enough to have had your good, good year, out of maybe the three in the last year, like Lotto did, then you could get the automatic wildcards. Now, they're the ones that Alpers and Phoenix have been benefiting from. And so there's two tiers of that. There's the top one, where if you're the top two Pro Conti teams, or in this case, Lotto, and, uh, Lotto is one of them, you get access to all the world tour races, including stage races, including the Tour de France ticket. If you're in the third which is where Israel are, you get all the World Tour one days, but no stage race guaranteed wild cards. Have I missed anything out of the system, Benji? I think that's the most important part. Just to add, is the top 10 riders of each team that count towards the points of each team. I think that's the basic gist of it. But I think we have quite a few questions about this that we'll dive into. And you said it, Lotto and Israel are the teams that are now dropping out of world tour if everything continues what consequences does that have for these teams you mentioned that but also let's first start off with the question how did those teams get here we know a lot of sudal had some signings in the past like gilbert a dagen and maybe their race planning wasn't perfect but how do you see the reason that Alotto Sudal, the Belgian team that was one of the bigger teams back in the day, which you'll bear in 2011 with Kit 11s back in the day, like 
How did they get here across the last three years? What went wrong? They simply just didn't go to enough of the non-World Tour one-day races in 2020 and 2021. The If you don't know, we've mentioned it uh, here and there throughout the year, a Tour de France stage gives you 120 points, winning a 1-1 one-day race, which none of us watch, frankly, like they might not even be televised. Some of them are on Facebook streams. Some of them are not even televised. There's no requirement for them to be televised. Um, That gives you 125 points. And there's loads of them uh, winning a one dot, winning a 2.1 GC, like uh, um, Asturias. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, Antalya, Asturias. Asturias is three days, 125 points. Uh, Dot Pro's 200 for the one day or GC, whereas World Tour GC pays well, but winning a stage of Catalonia ain't worth shit in terms of points. You're better off getting sixth at GC at Tour of Turkey, um, is the main, that's how the points allocation works. I agree that. The way their race setup was, the calendar that they did across the last three years when it comes to riding those smaller races, I agree that is one is the one of the bigger issues as well when it comes to Lotus Suda, but I think it's also just a, a mix of different factors. Now, like the Dagenkolb and Gilbert signing have been pointed at as the reason for this quite a numerous amount of times. I think there's some truth in that. I think both Gilbert and Dagenkolb didn't offer Lotto what they initially searched in those two riders to do yes sure they could have sent them to more smaller races and get the points there instead of trying to hit the hay at the biggest racers which didn't really end up working out perfectly at all and that's a factor in that Shilbaron Dainkolb didn't get the points they needed for the team but also next to that the investments that Lotto made in those two riders they're not cheap riders we're talking about six figures for these riders and seven figures perhaps for Shilbaron I'm not certain about that one but that's a lot of money that could have gone to building a sustainable team. And with the money of Gilbert, you can get three riders that could be those pro team kind of sprinters that could get a lot of points. So I think there's also some stuff in there where they could have... <sighs> I think the Dayenkolb is the, is the other one. I think Dayenkolb no, is the one where I'm, I've got the most issues with. I think I agree with you in principle. But I disagree on one important point, and I'll leave that as a cliffhanger mm-hmm. in a second to mention our show partner, <laughs> Zwift, who have brought in holo replays, which challenge yourself to push to new levels. They're your ghost for previous PRs on Zwift segments. Really cool addition to the platform. People have been asking for it for a long time. I'd encourage you to go and check it out. And also let us know, like, how would you would you like this to be rolled out to say doing tests or ramp tests um chasing like watts targets could be an interesting thing if you're like a watts nerd that's another like it might not just be times that you want to chase um i don't know let us know down below what other changes like that should you like to see implemented to zwift but with winter coming um challenging yourself against your previous bests is something that in particular I like to see on screen as well, really adds a lot. I disagree on Degenkolb Benji because I think he was perfectly capable in 2020 and 2021 
John Dan Cole was a, as good or better than Hugo Hofstetter physically, mm-hmm. what he could do. I just think he was sent to the wrong races. Look at 2020. Valenciana, Paris-Nice, Tour de Pologne, Tour de Volony, Luxembourg, Bink Bank. That's six stage races and Tour de France where he, I think, crashed on stage one. He In the one-day races he did, which three of them at the end of the season were all at the highest level, he top-tened Genvevelhem, Flanders, and Brugge de Panna with actually a lot of points in 2020. So that, to me, he could have had a blockbuster 2020 points-wise, yep. or at least, like, I'm not saying take don't send him to the Tour, but don't send him to Polonia, send him to something else. Um, 2021, again, uh, Eschborn Frankfurt, 250 points, second at World Tour level, and he's doing Valenciana, Paranese, Provence, Bessege, Swiss, Wallonie, Polonia, Deutschland. What the fuck are we doing here? That's just not understanding the system. Yep. John Degenkolb could have scored a lot of points, and the reason I disagree with you is because Say they get that bucket of money back, Benji. Do you think they would have signed someone like Hugo Hofstetter on a third of Jed Denkolb's salary? Because I don't think they would have. They wouldn't have. But I think if you know the system, you would have signed those sprinters or those riders that are versatile enough sprinters to gain points in one-on-one races, multiple of those for the money that the Denkolb has signed. So I agree that they wouldn't have done that. So it wouldn't have changed their transfer policy to make it more UCI point centered because it seemed like they hadn't realized yet that the system was ongoing or they realized it too late, at least in the process. And the question there is also, well, obviously it has made sprinters more valuable or versatile sprinters more valuable in the peloton because let's let's be honest about it. At certain points we were asking, okay, what is the value of a pro team kind of sprinter for a world tour team and for teams that are fighting for the relegation? They're actually quite interesting riders. So that's where Hofstetter comes in and so forth. He's a bit more than a, a pro team sprinter, to be fairly honest, though. I just want to mention He's that. not, though. Like, not really. I know he yeah. came, he did well in Kerna, but, like, he's never going to be a favorite for a, a World Tour sprint stage, a top True. three favorite. Um, Agreed. But he's just a I think he can play a sprinter. Role. I think he can play a role in cobble races. I think Hofstetter is decent at cobbles enough yeah. to be able to support in that sense. So I think he's he's better than a lot of world tour riders. That's what I'm trying to say as well. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But uh, also next to that, we've got these teams, like a lot of Sudal, a lot of issues when it comes to injuries and so forth. Caleb Ewan, COVID just before Milano San Remo, probably doesn't help. Injuries throughout the entirety of the season here as well. He crashed out very earlier in the Giro. He had multiple issues towards the end of the year. I think he was out for the last part of the season, actually, for multiple races in the uh, uh, the autumn season, the fall season of uh, the Belgian races and whatever the races he was supposed to ride at the end of the season. And they didn't necessarily replace him towards the end of the year, that spot. Um, that is a factor as well. But I also would say that that's a factor across many teams. So it's not that Lotto Sudal is the only team that has injuries and so forth. It just happened to a Ewan in this case, so it does happen to their better riders. And it is perhaps a team we see across the teams that were fighting for relegation as well, where bigger riders were injured, but that's also the case for the top teams, eh? Bernal Adinios, yeah, one of their <laughs> biggest riders. 
you have to factor them in. Everyone yep. gets shit luck. Nizzolo crashed on the Poggio descent and he was about to come sixth or seventh in San Remo and that took him out of other races he was about to do. And Arno Dali, with that, when he got body checked by Wellsford, that could have been a season ender and he got up yeah, pretty fine and continued on to score a lot of points. So everyone has swings and roundabouts with crashes and bad luck. Um, I definitely think team culture towards the points, like that's what's been the biggest difference here is there are riders on the two relegated teams who thought for a long time they're above these races. They're too good to go and do this midweek race to sprint for points. They're too good to peak and take seriously a stage race elsewhere. Whereas Hugo Hofstetter at Archaea, whereas Simone Consoni at Cofidis, Jesus Harada, they went professionally and consistently to all these races throughout the year. And with less top talent, let's be real, like Mike Woods, Fulsang, Nitsolo, um, there is more top talent even at an Israel than Cofidis and certainly at a Lotto, but the team culture and chemistry and professionalism, both staff and rider-wise, hurt them in the first half of the season. And then once you're scrambling, Cofidis already had, and Arkea had such a big lead. So I think that was the most important thing this year, at least. I agree with that. Now, I do want to add, let's say you are Gilbert, you're ending your career this year and you see that your team is struggling, are you going to be caring about the Veneto Classics at the end of the year? Or are you going to finish on a race that you want to finish your career at? I'm probably going to go for the latter. At that point, I don't really care anymore. I'm going to go for a race that I want to finish my career at and skip out on Veneto Classics, for example. That might just be selfish, but I'd say, okay, well, the stuff is for me the reason, the majority of the reason. As in, if they realize so late that this system, this relegation system is so vital for the survival of some of these teams and they work into it so late when it comes to adapting their calendar and so forth. Some teams adapting it very late even. I'd argue I'd blame the staff more than I would blame the riders. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's like it's not the riders' job to read the UCI rulebook. I would say Lotto, I remember I made the video in January about they could be relegated. I would say they tried to correct course quicker than a lot of other teams. Lotto, unfortunately, I think Lotto did a pretty good job this year, actually. Uh, I think they did much better than I expected. When I say the culture, I'm referring to more the three-year cycle and probably Caleb Ewan because I said he should do a particular calendar at the start of the year. It still meant he could do the tour. It still meant he could do the UA tour it still meant he could do San Remo and yet he's doing what Saudi tour and tour of Turkey I think like pointless races um they just put themselves in too big a hole before the start of the year uh and they had a good year it's Israel who really really underperformed and you look at the back end of this year just and the tour they won two, uh two stages but like they really underperformed at the back end of the year points-wise. They didn't seem able to motivate their top riders, uh, Fulsang or Woods or whoever, to, to score. And they they miss out on World Tour by a long, long way. And, yeah, like 
Cofidus are not a good team. Cofidus, I have no idea why. Like, it's pointless Cofidus being a World Tour team. They get Tour de France invite if they're a pro team. They've won three World Tour races in three years, which is way less than Israel and, and Lotto. In terms of World Tour competition, they are much, much worse, but they gamed the system. They got the French National Circuit, um, and so it is. Even Arkea, to be honest, are not. <laughs> not that good uh after Nairo's top 10 in the tour got scrubbed off the board do you feel like it has been an opportunity for youngsters to show themselves more in that area youngsters that don't necessarily that aren't necessarily at the end of their career and might not be at that level where they say oh i'm above these races like we saw corbin strong and andrea piccolo doing really well in the uh, italian classics at the end of the year was it an opportunity for youngsters that they would be sent to <laughs> no. more of these smaller races or is it putting them down well, where was Corbin Strong for six months, seven months? And yep. you know where Corbin Strong was? He was leading out Einhorn or uh, random riders who were worse than him and sent to the wrong races. That's where Corbin Strong was. Uh, Piccolo no one picked up until August, even though yep. the guy is a lock to top 10 almost any Italian classic including Lombardia. The kid's a freak. He just was really unlucky at the start of his career. No one picked him up. Instead, Lotto picked up Carlos Barbero. Like, So, yeah, I mean, there's an example. Piccolo didn't get picked up when Russia invaded Ukraine and Gazprom had their license removed and Carlos Barbero, a 31-year-old yeah. from Quebec, got picked up. So... No. <laughs> it really, like it, obviously, I think there was more of a spotlight on Dali because, like, he, yeah. he would have, you know, he maybe got sent to the right races. But then Marin Vandenberg, despite EF struggling, uh, still got sent to a terrible program for his profile. So, yeah, it's like, it's just at the back end of this, it's just the least incompetent team gets to stay up. Like, these are still not good teams staying up. Okay, now with Israel though, I feel like there's something with Israel that is also a bit with Lotto, but mainly with Israel, we noticed that they try to like rush their way into World Tour in previous years in perhaps a non-sustainable way. Do you feel like that has been a factor towards their um, towards their relegation now? Like throwing so much money at a room was obviously not a great investment. Let's not play around with that like that money could have gone elsewhere to riders that could actually have helped this team pull through so i i would blame a israel a lot more when it comes to their investments than for example a lotto but is it also yeah, like sure. is the timing of the Froome thing for example it was still early on in the cycle right it was two years ago two years and a half ago roughly would they not have thought about that being a, an issue yet, the relegations? Was it even remotely in their thought process when it comes to their transfer policies in the last three years? No, I'm not sure they knew. I don't know if Israel knew until like March this year because they let Hofstetter go to Arkea, who scored like 1,500 points. Yeah, I, I don't know. And Israel do a decent calendar and could have upped it more. Um, I don't know if they – I think they figured it out pretty late. Like I remember Vorders on Twitter for EF. He thought the calendar, the cycle finished last year. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that tweet's been deleted. Um, and so, yeah, I, like a lot of them didn't know and I don't think it was front of mind with signings. And is, But to your point, Reef Froome, 
like Froome, you don't get third on Alpdewez behind Peacock and Mankies. Mankies, by the way, who won on Preras in the Vuelta career year. Like he's not, he's had moments where he's still an above average rider this year. I swear they could have got some points out of him at the right races. And if you're paying him a lot of money, you can't pay a guy a load of money who's then way worse than they should have been and then they get to dictate their program. You say, no, 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 no. We're paying you a lot of money, but we need you to peak for uh, Tour de la Provence or whatever. You, yeah. you, Tour de France, Chris, Croatia. sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, like seriously. like yeah. I think the, the problem is these teams don't have the management structure and organizational competencies to really sit down, develop a plan, not just be reactive, to have hard conversations with riders. Because um, if they did, they wouldn't be in this position in the first place. Now, we've spoken about how these two teams ended up in the relegation zone. We've seen that Anarkea has had a Hofstetter come over from Israel, so they did better in that. They were also earlier when it comes to hunting for points. I swear they've done it for more than a year. Arkea, they were really looking for that World Tour spot, but not that the relegation has happened for a Lotto and in Israel, there's consequences for both. You spoke about it at the start already. A Lotto is a team that is now the first team of the teams that are not going to go to World Tour. As a consequence, because they are first in UCI points outside of the top 18, that means that they get access, a guaranteed access if they wanted, to all World Tour races. That's pretty damn significant. Yep. And Within Israel, they are third, which means that they only have access to the classics. They can still gain access to other races if those races actually willingly give it to Israel. But there's some discussion on whether the Tour de France is going to give their wild cards to Israel or whether there's going to be a BNB taking a wild card and maybe a Uno X. And that still has to be decided for an Israel. So they are not sure about their world tour. But before we dive into analyzing Israel, we haven't spoken enough about Arnold Lee, I think, because that guy is the sixth guy on the UCI ranking this year, gaining 2,300 almost points. That is significant. He's done so in small races the entire year. Let's say he does stay at Lotto Sudal. How do you see his future in the next like one to two years, knowing that he's got access to all the World Tour races with his team next year? You think they'll still focus on you and for the majority of sprints when it comes to Grand Tours, will the Lee ride his first Grand Tour or will they try and gain points to try and get ahead of themselves to make sure they get that World Tour after three years again? Where do you see the Lee going? To Lee, I think, uh, in the year one, remember in year one of the cycle, it's the most advantageous to hunt points before people are panicking. Like DSM might not target points next year, but in year three they might have to because DSM were terrible this year. They were just above Astana in points. Um, they were just lucky that they had the he or she 2020 points and then they were like, actually, we're going we're gonna to tear up your contract, but we keep your points. Uh, <laughs> the, the I don't know if they tore up his contract. Um, they parted ways under NDA for clarity. Anyway, I think, unfortunately, for Lotto Dali and Dali, well, maybe he likes it. He has to do a very similar calendar next year. Maybe Flanders, add in the World Tour one-day races. I really, and maybe a UAE tour when it, and they were, yeah, things that suit him anyway. Maybe do a UAE tour and something like that. Um, they usually do Saudi. I don't know. But Ewan seems to like doing the stage races because they we, – we just – Benji just said it. 
Lotto were in a good good position. They're in Alperson's position, but they they got to be careful because you know you have one bad year, you have two stars get injured or sick, and all of a sudden you're in a very very difficult position. But with Anchorn, who look good in Canada, and you know I think in the smaller classics, Anchorn can really score consistently. I don't like the Guarnieri signing. Um, but Vermesh has got to step up. But they got the pieces. Uh, to Israel, on the other hand, are in a much more difficult spot, uh, but I think almost have a higher upside. Now, whether they can, in that they have no TDF access, they have uh, Adams threatening to sue the UCI about the relegation system, they <laughs> have a Giro organiser who doesn't really have a spot for them, even if they pony up the cash, uh, and the Vuelta looks unlikely too. Probably the World Tour stage races, they'll be all right, the one weeks. But they do have a high upside with Fulsang, with Froome, Woods, Nitzolo, in that they can score a lot. But, man, it's going to be tough to motivate those riders to do it. I'll be surprised to see it. And Total Energy with Sagan can still score points in smaller races, French races. Dries van Gerstel, um, that guy, Simon, he's like 38. He scored loads of points this year. So Total know the drill and are improving. So I think Lotto should be fine next year, Benji. I think it's Israel against Total. And I have Total favoured pretty handily, actually, to keep that premium wildcard. I actually agree with that. And I also see a future with Total with getting other riders next to a Sagan in the future as well. Because at a certain point, the Sagan is not going to be there anymore. And for example, Nala Philippe comes out of his contract at Quickstep after 2024. I would love to see a transfer where Nala Philippe joins a French team then, for example, because he won't be able to share his Tour de France goals anymore with an Evenepoel who will try to win the Tour de France. So it wouldn't surprise me if Nala Philippe leaves that and he might join a total, for example, in 2025. I think that's a, a cool transfer that's possible and that might lead to them getting an Alpecin spot in those years after as well. Or even if they gain enough points in the next three years, they might even gain a World Tour spot in the future, which would be another French team in World Tour with BNB trying it as well. So we're stacking up the French teams at the moment in World Tour. That being said, I think when it comes to our entire discussion so far, it becomes clear that Lotto is in a better position than Israel. And I don't believe that Lotto is in too much trouble as long as they keep their focus on sustainably building out their future because they've gotten so many talents from their deaf teams and brought them to world tour teams. Like Louis Vervaak, I'm pretty sure he comes from Lotto's deaf team initially at the start of his career. Like there's a ton of riders that come from the Lotto Def team that you see at other teams, like Dave and Ains, also back in the day. These are riders that started at Lotto in some shape or form, if my memory serves me right. And that would argue that there's something in that. Now, there's also the aspect when it comes to Israel. Will every rider stay in their team? Adelie and you and I'm pretty sure have mentioned for Lotto Sudel that they stay or not? I think everyone at Lotto will stay. Israel, I don't know because it's the end of October, middle of October. A lot of teams like Fulsang has mentioned he wants to, he's thinking about leaving or retiring. It's all, it depends if people are on cheap deals. If I'm Simon Clark, I think he might have signed an extension already on decent money, but if I'm Simon Clark, I'd be looking around. Um, 
for a better deal elsewhere after winning a Tour de France stage. So, yeah, Israel are much more likely to have guys go, and they can't afford to have riders like Simon Clark walk out the door or even saying, even if he's overpaid, he still came third in Tour de Suisse. Um, but, yeah, there's – listen, in American sports, <laughs> in the Premier League, <laughs> there'd be a lot of changes to those – to the team, and there are a lot of Lelong has stepped down um, earlier this month, but yeah, like there'd be a lot of changes, and Israel, I think, need a lot of changes if they want to keep that project going. Because man, they it's not been good this year. Very shortly about the Lelong leave at Lotto, we saw a lot of drama between. Lelanga and Marc Sergent on social media recently. Marc Sergent being one of the old managerial people at Lotto Soudal that eventually got pushed away by Lelanga out of the team together with uh, his companion Edmond Frison. And now I'm pretty sure that Lelanga has been in control of the team of the last three, four years, which is kind of remotely equal to the cycle as well. The, all the transfers were kind of under his responsibility in the last few years. Like... How much is longest fold when it comes to the managing, or is it also something that was already beforehand? Was it the years before that already prepared it? Yeah, it's the years before. It is like it's it's not going to the right races. I, I as I said, I think the Denkolb signing, like yeah, he's not going to win Tour of Flanders maybe under that contract, which is why you signed him. He actually top ten though, um, but he still could have scored a load of points and. They just, yeah, they just weren't aware of it, which is how you lose your job, and that happened. What happens at Israel, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not not hoping for people to lose their jobs, but, yeah. like, this is what happens in other sports. In cycling, less so. It seems like people can keep, <laughs> keep their jobs pretty easily. I forgot, I was going to say something about oh, about Israel or Lotto Sudal. Um, oh, on your point about Lotto's development, I agree. Lotto signed a lot of riders who I'm like, man, that, that rider ain't no good. Um, he's only got a contract because he's Belgian. But they still <laughs> have a pretty high strike rate of producing legit Belgian superstars, like top-tier guys. Arno Delis looks legit, top-tier superstar guy. Bjorg Lambrecht, let's be honest, it's the unfortunate reality. He unfortunately passed away in Tour de Polonia. If that hadn't happened, Israel um, Lotto wouldn't have been relegated. And it's completely outside of their control. The guy was going to be a perennial Arden podium lock for a decade. The, the kid was legit and terrible accident happened. And so, yeah, Lotto, I, I think, probably can keep producing really, really top Belgian talents, they got on to lead. The UN extension, really perplexing to me. Um, but I think you need someone to try and win a Tour de France stage. And that's sort of the goal with him. Um, and there's a bit of an Aussie contingent, contingent there. Ewan, I want to talk about him for a second here. A lot of people are like suggesting after a bad season for him partially due to injury partially because he just wasn't good enough in a lot of races because his train wasn't good enough in a lot of races is he washed or can we like expect him to come back next year because i highly expect him to have a better year next team like it can't be much worse than this season when it comes to caleb ewan and i think he will win grand tour stage again next season or 
you think it's actually like the point of no return where he had injuries that might make his body not in great physical form anymore? Nah. Like, okay. Well, no, he didn't like need a knee surgery or anything. He didn't like, you know, break his hip or anything. He just had like a load of, a lot of crashes, road rash. Uh, I would suggest some motivation issues uh, mm-hmm. for going to particular races as well. And that's what happened. So, uh, yeah, 100% agree when it comes to the big dance, San Remo, Giro Tour next year. Yeah, he'll be fine. Now, will his train still be terrible? Yep. So <laughs> that's still a prank. That's still not fixed. Hey, they sound Guarnieri, mate. Come on. Yeah, Guarnieri, Schwarzman, and Zelig. Unreal. Unreal combo. Yeah. Even And you look at – I mean, that's credit to Bora, right? They went with um, your man – Who's the Belgian? Van Poppel repurposed him. They probably had to pay him a fair bit and unreal uh, lead up. But anyway, last thoughts on the relegation battle. Uh, it still hasn't been implemented, uh, of course. We're assuming the UCI does, and then Israel fights it. With the wild cards, Benji, what are you expecting? Uh, because my expectation is. Uh, by the way, BNB, I don't think will challenge for the wild card next year. I don't think they're. They're a long way off. I don't think automatic wildcard that is, but Giro I think will be uh, Aolo and Israel. Tour I think will be BNB and Israel, and Vuelta will be uh, two of the Spanish Pro Conti teams. No Israel. Okay, I believe when it comes to the Giro that Israel is not going because I believe that um, we'll see two Italian teams. I always feel like the you don't Itali- think? the wild the wild cards at the Giro are always political. Like yeah, but I always cash. See- it's yeah, part of true. politics. True, but we don't know what happens behind the scenes at these races. So I don't know. I'd argue that a Giro, I see an Aolo with a either a drone hopper or a Bardiani showing up instead of an Israel. And if you look at the Tour de France, I agree there's more chance for an Israel there. I do believe BNB will get that wild card there because they got it this year. And I'd argue that while Unix has a Johannesson and so forth, I think both of them were injured towards the end of the season actually and are like recovering from that, like the exact same injury or something at the same time. So that's that's twins. Like that's actually like a twin injury or something, a twin injury. Anyway, regardless of what I just said, I'd argue that a BNB is still more likely to get a wild card next year than a UNOX. And when I look at an Israel, I'd argue that they're still more likely to get it than a UNOX as well. So yeah. I think UNOX kind of has the the bad cards dealt in that sense. Also there's also the factor that French teams moving up to Walter, like in Arkeal, makes it so that it's a slight bit easier for second yeah, division teams that are Giro not French. Yeah, exactly. To get into that spot. When it comes to the Velta, it's really difficult for me to guess who is going to get it because you've got the, um, not Adria Mobiles. I was thinking of Roger Adria, and for some reason I thought about a Slovenian team as a consequence, but I'm talking <laughs> about Ken Farma instead. Those kind of teams. A Kaharural, a Burgos and Oiskaltel. I think those are most likely getting wild cards over. And are they getting yeah. the wild cards over in Israel? Kaha was left home, yes. but the Spanish teams will get. I, I agree they with will, you. So. Uh, you can't leave two of them at home, like or three, yeah. like you can't. So, and I think the Vuelta, like the Giro, Adam showed he'll pony up the cash. He took yeah. the damn race to Israel. 
<laughs> and funded that. So yeah. if it if he still's got the patience to stay in the sport and keep the team going, then as a possibility, you know, he, they work out something with Bardiani, Androni, and Israel for the Giro. Uh, I don't know. Um, you rest in peace. The who's the guy that Gaburo actually not bad yeah. in breaks this year. The tour, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, Christoph and Johansson is not as big as Fulsang and Froome. If Froome's in like whatever condition, um, that's just the reality. Even though Johansson's a good rider and Christoph is, you know, fine too. I agree. I do believe that a Christoph is going to be a bigger deal in the one-day races, for example, but I don't necessarily see him really moving the needle when it comes to the Grand Tours. I agree there. But we've spoken about the relegation system, about the teams as a consequence, what happened to those teams. But about the relegation system at its core, last question. Like, what are our main issues with the relegation system? The things I come about when thinking about it is like the relegation system countering the financial model of the sport, as in the relegation system suggests that teams should send their riders to smaller races to gain those points. But on paper, the sponsorship model of a team suggests that those sponsors want those riders at bigger races because they want visibility at those bigger races. So that's one thing for me, the countering of those two things. I'd also say that I don't like the fact that a Quebec and Montreal is this worth the same as a Milano San Remo. So there's some tweaks that are necessary when it comes to the point system in that sense. And lastly, the one we mentioned uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago, that a race like the Femme Ardenne Classic, a 1.1 race in Belgium, I think one of their sponsors is Lotto, but then again, Lotto sponsors basically 90% of these Belgian 1.1 races. And we see that an organizer like that has stated, they've done a self-report, they've literally they done a self-report. They were bragging in the press. They were bragging <laughs> in the press. I can't wrap my head why you would do that. And they said they kept EF out of the star list, out of solidarity of Lotto Suidal. And there was like some laughs described in the article. But even if it's like said as a joke, you don't say that, in my opinion. And if it's actually happened, then it's it shouldn't be happening because that's making the entire relegation system unfair. So maybe there should be some ruling. You can never... The UCI can never check if an organizer is doing it fairly or not, but is there a way that the UCI can make it so that it's more fair? Yeah, that's the suggested system I have, which is that Premier League games only count for the Premier League points table and UCI World Tour races only count for World Tour teams and then you have a collection of the most prestigious pick a number 15, 20 uh, dot pro races and for the relevant dot pro teams which next year would be BNB, Unox, Uskatel, Bardiani, Yolo, Lotto, uh, Israel I've already probably said they fight it out and whoever has the most points in those dot pro races gets promoted in the next cycle and then that way you don't have you then get to forget the discussion about how much is a dot pro stage worth versus a Tour de France 6GC, no longer relevant. And it also, those races are required, would be required to invite the relevant dot pro teams. So that's, and the World Tour races, it's already all automatic, except for the, yeah, for the World Tour teams, they're all invited automatically. So that's how you, you fix that. Because, yeah, like, what if Israel we're in the hunt to keep their world to a license, but because Malaysia doesn't have diplomatic relations with Israel, and I know it's not a state team, but still, 
they've in Malaysia has barred Israeli athletes from participating in sports in Malaysia or Israeli teams before and recently. If they not let Israel ride at Langkawi and they get relegated because of that, it's like what are we doing here? Like that's ridiculous. Um so yeah, that's why the system needs to be changed. Uh clock is ticking because the next one starts in two and a half months, so or three months in January in Australia. So I'm not Does it? expecting any changes. We have Is UCI there not like some, some tire, tire race like earlier on in like December? Oh, or is, does that count for this cycle? I don't actually know. I think it's for next a cycle. Good question. I think you're right. I think Lankawi's it or Tour of Japan, Tour of Japan's it for this cycle in this month. But yeah, I obviously don't know my calendar too well. I think um, October so, 18th, I think. Okay. Anyway. Oh, there's chrono donation as well. For that was probably Stefan Bisker's poor bastard probably got sent to altitude camp to peak for that. So that in case EF were going to get relegated, it's probably going to break the record. Chrono donation doesn't even have to go anymore. Um, <laughs> Will that yeah. record attempt? Why not? Eh? <laughs> because because yeah. Oh yeah, Ghana broke the hour record. Other than breaking news <laughs> from a week ago <laughs> or the weekend, Ghana broke the hour record with Bigham. So Bigham, his partner, or they recently got married, I think, Joss Loudon. They did it together. She did it, but with his advice, I think. And then he broke it himself, and then he advised Ghana on it. So the, tr- the trifecta <laughs> in He's one absolute year. He's absolutely at it. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's that on the, the R record. But yeah, let us know about relegation. I uh, might try and peer pressure Raul to come on the pod. Um, everyone peer pressure him. He's been writing the articles on lanternrouge.com.au. I've been trying to get him on the pod to talk about it, what changes he'd like, where the teams went wrong. Um, and yeah, I guess we haven't done a big congratulations to a lot of the teams that stayed up. I guess Cofidis and Arkea gained the system with relatively less talent than the other teams um but for the others it's kind of like Antomarche well they're just yeah they were just too good they picked up Benny and they're they're like finished like top 10 in the in the cycle they they were out of the running of being relegated for ages so yeah they just became a good team that's the thing Antomarche just became a pretty good team and they were fine but for the other teams it's like you, you escape by the skin of your teeth um and I'm sure even if they didn't get relegated, like EF and Bex, I there would have been many sleepless nights, many stressed phone calls with yeah. sponsors that they would have preferred to have avoided. Um, so it's more a sigh of relief than a cause for celebration, I think. I think so as well. Sure, when it comes to André Marché, Danny Van Poppel was striking right on every occasion when it comes to gaining UCI points at the end of last year, for example. So that was significant, but I agree that they became just a very strong team. But I think we went over most of it when it comes to the relegation system. Hope you now have an understanding of how the system like led to Lotto and Israel's downfall and what we can expect from the next couple of years from those two teams. Because with Israel, it's kind of a question mark for me. Which riders are going to stay? Which riders are going to leave? With a Lotto, I'm more sure that they're going to stay there quite safely and they're going to be fighting for the next couple of years to get back to World Tour in 2020. Oh, God, what year are we? We're 2022. So 2026 in a new cycle. You're right. Moth. And um, (laughs) looking forward to it. We got a new sponsor. see what happens. 
They're a new Destiny. sponsor too, Destiny. So, you know, I presume they'll stay on board. Hard conversations probably have happened over that. Explain to them, hey, it's not the end wow. of the world. Um, they came in I late, Destiny. Maybe they already knew. I think they wanted the world to a license. Oh, I okay. think, Destiny. I think uh, I would. I would rather. You don't know what could happen in 24, 25 than the guaranteed Tour de France access is is worth a lot when you're signing on. But anyway, that was the relegation chat. Just to round up, there's probably going to be some uh, litigation news about it. So this will be a nice little off-season topic, particularly when it all gets implemented or tries to be implemented by the UCI later. Let us know your thoughts down below. Have we been too harsh on the teams? I don't think so, but always keen to hear your thoughts. Thanks to Zwift as always. Ciao. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.